0: foes are many
1: they rise against me but I will hold my ground I will not fear the war I will not fear the storm my help is on the way my help is on the way oh. i
0: For the rest of my days There is something about the name of Jesus It sounds like
1: forgiveness Sounds like amazing grace It beckons my soul to sing forever There's just something about that
0: name We it over sorrow, and the soul is given peace. We we'll sing it in the famine, we we'll in prosperity. And we never forget, that He is all that we need. There is something about the name of Jesus.
1: It sounds like forgiveness, sounds like amazing. Oh, Alright. Really? something about The to the Father,
2: I fall into grace. I'm done
1: with the hiding, the no reason to win. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again. Just as I am, Lord, you pull me in, I know I need you now.
2: I run to the Father,
1: I fall into grace, I'm
2: done with the hiding,
1: the no reason the way. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. the no reason away My heart found a surgeon. My soul found a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again.
2: Oh, oh,
1: oh, oh,
2: again
1: and again and again amen you may be seated this morning
2: Lord we just come to you today and we thank you so much God for loving us again and again and again Lord we pray God that you would just help us to listen to your word this morning we pray for Aaron as he delivers your word this morning God we know that he is prepared Lord just speak through him the things you would have us to hear we love him we thank you for all that he does for you in Jesus name we pray amen Good morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning. i um, been talking with Daryl. You know he's, he's out today. He's up in Missouri uh, watching his grandson get baptized. And so I kind of, uh, always like to talk with him a little bit about what I'm going to talk about, what God's laid on my heart to give to you guys. And um, it seems like sometimes it's really tough. It's tough to get across to him what I want to get across to you because God's got so many different things. This book is full of so many different passages and, and prayers and different things that we can use in our everyday life. But I really feel like uh, he was pretty instrumental in, in helping me focus on a topic this week. Um, the title of the message is Put Jesus First. So if you want to open your Bible, we will be in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, when I first started talking to Daryl about what I wanted to preach on, what I thought God was, was telling me to preach on, I said, I, I just can't narrow it down exactly. He said, well, you could, if you don't know what to say, you can always just go up there and say, you're on the road to Damascus and you saw a great light. And I thought that was funny because that's what he preached about a couple weeks ago when, you know, Paul was traveling. And I thought about that a little bit more because th- there's a lot of truth in that. What, what he was dealing with and what he was portraying that message to everybody else, that's what God had put on his heart specifically. And it was going to be, it was going to be uh, scattered out through, through everywhere that he went until he got to where he was supposed to be going. And so, as I thought, um, you know, that's, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm just going to put it out there and say, this is what God has laid on my heart for you guys this week. It's just simply this, put Jesus first. That it's, it's easy to say, but it, sometimes it's difficult to do. Uh, I thought this week a lot about what we used to have, the WWJD bracelets. I know a lot of you probably know what those are. Some of you may even have them if you're younger. You may not know it was a fashion thing that they had Several years ago, but everybody wore bracelets, said WWJD, it stood for What Would Jesus Do? And th- that's kind of what I, I use this for this week. It's, it's almost like if you want to put Jesus first, it should be at the forefront of your mind all the time. It should be right there on your wrist. It should be right in front of your face. If you're really focused on doing what Jesus wants you to do, it should be right there all the time. So the question that I want you to ask yourself this morning is what place does Jesus have in your life? I helped Samantha. She was getting ready for what we thought was going to be Children's Church today. It looks like it'll be Children's Church next week carrying some boxes. And I thought it was funny because they look like little put, pedestal boxes, little podium boxes. And, and all I could think about is I'm carrying them in. God shines through everything that you do when you put him first in your life. And I was carrying them in. I said, these look like little pedestal boxes. It would be cool to set them up here as a one, two, and a three and say, what, what place would God have in your life if you put these pedestals on the stage? Would he be number one? Would he be, you know, off to the side? And uh, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and part of that that we're going to read this morning, it's generally used as a scripture to say not to worry. But then it turns into something where Jesus says, look, no matter what's going on in your life, I want to be at the forefront and the first of it. So we're going to read that. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 first. This is the one we're really going to focus on, so I'm going to read it first. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and then all these things shall be added to you all these things we'll get into right now exactly what he's talking about but at, throughout the whole message there should be no uh worry about what i'm preaching on this morning when we get done today i know when i talk to the youth on wednesdays the next week when i come up to them i say, what do we talk about last week and a lot of times i get a blank stare because they're just not sure they have had a whole week of school and sports and other things going on This morning, when we ask you next week, it shouldn't matter if you say, what did Aaron preach about? You should be able to say, put Jesus first. Um, We're going to start reading in verse 25. It says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What will you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put in it, no, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? I've I've spoken on this before. A cubit is generally regarded as from the tip of your fingers to your elbow. For most, it's about 18 inches. And this says, who can add that to their uh, stature? Another way of saying it is, who can add one year to their life? What good does worrying do? One of my favorite translations was simply, who can add a single step to their life. That's a, a really uh, good way of putting it. Who, who can take one extra step if that's what, not what God has planned for him to do? And the answer is none of us in that. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So the first part of this is simply putting Jesus first over your worries. Everybody has worries in their life. Everybody has something that they're dealing with, something that they're going through. Um, For me, when I think about worries, I I think about these guys. I I actually wrote down a list of things that they might worry about. Kids think about things like grades or sleep or friends, or social status. Snapchat scores. Girls, girls absolutely, that's on my list. <laughs> Boys, for some of the girls in the back. All these things that they worry about on a 24-7 basis. As you start thinking about what adults think about, there's a few more things you can add onto there with jobs and money and family. You know, these, these are some of the things that, that are added in addition to some of these things. Probably, for most of you, not Snapchat scores. Okay, it's not as important. But these other things, they tend to drag us down or pull on us so hard that sometimes we don't know which way is up. um i put I put a list for grandparents, but on the list of things they worry about, I could only come up with grandkids. That's the only thing. If you're a grandparent, maybe you can attest to that, but I figure that's for most grandparents in the room, Grandkids is at the top of your list. Um I was reading, kind of studying up on this the other day about worry and gratitude. There's a recent study that came up that said, the scientists have figured out within the last five years that the same part of your brain that constitutes worry is the same part of your brain where gratitude comes from. And so scientists have concluded that these two cannot coexist. And this is a recent thing. And, uh, and I listened to this guy speak on it, and I thought it was funny because he had the same initial conclusion that I did, is that we've known this for years. The Bible specifically tells us that in um, Philippians 4, 6-8, through 8, Got it up here. Matt, Matt, Matt's got it up there for me on the screen. He's quick. It says, "Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus." So that's just a testament to God already knowing. That whatever you're worried about if you bring it to them in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving you can't be worried and thankful at the same time it's it's in the bible it's got to be true and we think about these things and we say well that doesn't make a whole lot of sense sometimes i'm worried about this or i'm worried about that but your focus is on your worry and a lot of times with these same things with the giants in our life with the with the worried feelings that we have the only reason that we can only focus on that is because we're closer to that than we are to god If you're closer to your worry, if you're more fearful fearful of what's going on in your life, then you are thankful for what God's already done. Sometimes your worries can overwhelm you in that. Um, A.W. Tozer has a really good quote. It says, as God is exalted to his rightful place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once. As you put God in the right place in your life, a thousand things are fixed. And we tend to forget that sometimes, but I'm thankful that he does that. Worry does have a purpose. Uh, This is the last thing that I'll I'll say on that, but worry's purpose is like a priority meter. God uses that for us. He gives that to us. If, If we have a worry and our initial thought is to bring it to God, then we tend to know that, hey, that our priorities are in line with where God wants them to be. Our priorities are in the right place. If it tends to be, I'm worried about this, but I can take care of it myself, I don't really need God's help then you know we're kind of out of whack from where he wants us to be. Um, the second part of this, uh, put Jesus first over your needs. We're going to keep on reading there for just a minute. It says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all of these things the Gentiles seek, the pagans seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. So we tend to sometimes supplement needs instead of worry. Well, I don't, I don't really want this, I need this. And we tend to put it higher on the priority list for ourselves. God, you, you know that I need this, or you may not even know that God knows. God knows. Actually, I was, I was going to have Matt put uh, Matthew 6, 8 on the screen. And it says, for your father knows the things you need before you even ask for them. Right? So these things, we don't have to pretend like God knows. God knows. And when we wonder Hey, can I I slip this need in as a worry? A lot of times we like to do that. God, you know I need this, and it's not a real need. It may be a want, but God knows what we need. I don't know if you remember last year, I asked several different people what are some of the needs in their life. Uh, My daughter's looking at me like she don't remember this. She will. Two of her needs, when I asked her what her needs were, and some of you guys may remember, one was shoes, the other was dog food. That was her needs that she needed back then. That's probably been over a year ago. And I haven't forgot that. Because coming from the mouth of a teenage girl, when you ask them what they need, you're going to get all different answers. And sometimes we're like that when we go to God. God, I need this. And God said, no, you need food. You need clothes. You need shelter. And I know that you need these things. So why are you worrying about these things? Why are you trying to put them priority over me? Don't you know that I already know this? Um... So what do we do? We go back to the initial verse that I read and this has still got to be the focal point for keeping him first in our lives. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all of these things, all the things that we read, will be added to you there. The first part of that is seek him. Seek God. Seek his kingdom, it says there. Uh, A lot of translations that say that essentially mean when you seek God's kingdom it's seek the place where God is the ruler of everything. Are we seeking the place in our hearts, in our life where God is at the forefront or the ruler of everything that's going on? That's what it means to seek the kingdom of God. And it doesn't mean put it on a list. If we have a list of all the things that we're worried about and we have a list of all the things that we're concerned about or that we need it's not like we tend to do it today. Hey, I've got Sunday wrote down and know oh, Sunday we've got to get up and we've got to go to church and we've got to make time for church and then we've got family and then some people have to go to church again. Like we tend to put a list of things out there and say, i right, got to make sure God's on my list. And that's never what God has asked us to do. God is the list. Like it is Him and then everything else underneath that umbrella. And that, that's what it means to seek Him and His kingdom. Secondly, seek the relationship. We got to have a relationship, just like you'd want to have a relationship with your parent, or with your siblings, or anybody else. To to be able to grow in that relationship, you have to spend time with them. And man, I'm so thankful, um, and this is just, this is for free. I have to tell you guys that I'm so thankful that I get to do this, that Daryl asked me to do this. I get nervous about it, I, I, it, it crawls all over me for the last couple of weeks knowing I was going to be up here just trying to figure out what he wants me to say. I don't want to mess it up, but I'm so thankful because for two weeks, I've been in my Bible more than ever. I've been seeking God more than normal, and he's growing me through that relationship. It's just because, you know, I've said yes to something that he wants me to do. Uh, Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8, this is another reason why we seek him. It says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open." This is just simply another invitation to say, if you're seeking God, you will find him. Plain and simple. If you're not, if you've got something else that you want to put in front of him, that's fine. You'll find it too, probably. God sometimes gives us our prayers to teach us a lesson. And he sometimes answers our prayers to bring us closer to him. But all of it is for his glory all the time. Number two. So first was seek him in his kingdom. Number two is going to be like seeking his righteousness. It's a little bit different. In the verse it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. I love that Daryl spoke last week about the righteousness of a Pharisee. Trying to have more than that. We we have none. As it comes to righteousness, the Bible says in Romans, None is righteous, no not one. Not a single one of us is righteous enough to to go to heaven without Jesus. So we have to seek his righteousness. That's the only way. And just like he said last week, we're the worst people in the room. Like, I am the worst person here. Why would I try to do anything on my own that I think might get me to heaven knowing that Jesus is the only way there? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 I pulled some different verses because I can't get some of these out of my mind. This is, uh, is Jesus' righteousness. This is what it means. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in him. That's, that's the righteousness that we're seeking. You can insert yourself in there. You can put your name in there. That's exactly what it means. Jesus did nothing wrong, and he became sin for us that we can actually get into heaven uh, because of the righteousness of Him that's now in us. Um, I'm going to move on down to the last few parts of this. It says, some do. Now, if you don't... uh, He put it up there. So it says, seek Him first. Seek His righteousness. And this is pretty self-explanatory. Some do this. If you're a Christian... Or you're not a Christian, you know people that, are, that live like this. The people that seek God continually. The people that are always in a joyful mood. The people that have God first in their life, and they have them as the, as the utmost priority. We all know somebody like that. I can think of three or four that come to mind right off the bat when you first see that. And it's got to be to the point to where that's what we crave, That's what we want. We want that relationship with God. The second part is just the opposite. Some do not. So as much as you know people that seek God and want God to be first in their lives, and they're happy and joyful, and they want to tell everybody they know about Jesus, there's some that are the opposite. There's some that do not know what it's like to have Jesus in their lives to help them make decisions. These are the ones that I would say are the most deceived. These are the people that if they just got a taste of what it meant to be, uh, to have Jesus first, that it, it could truly change their life. It has the option to change their life. And then last is sometimes, because these are the people that know Jesus, but don't keep him at the forefront of our lives. And whether or not you're there now, a lot of you guys have been through this. I've been through this. There's just something about Seeing people that love Jesus that makes you want to be like them, there's, make, there's something about seeing people that don't know Jesus that makes you want to tell them, but there's really nothing enviable about the person that is just stuck in this mode of sometimes. I put they're deceived, sometimes self-centered, wondering what do I get out of this? What, do, what could I lose from this? They're, they're the most misguided. And it's hard because you see people like this and you're like you know who Jesus is and I see myself sometimes in this and I say look why are my priorities so out of whack I've met Jesus before he's helped me through this he's got me through this why is it so hard to keep him at the forefront of my life and I think that's why this this message this morning is just stuck with me so hard because Jesus wants me to understand he wants you to understand that there's only one place that he craves and that's that the forefront God is a jealous God If you don't know that, you'll find it out. God is a very jealous God. He wants to be at the forefront and the utmost, uh, just the, the very first part of your life. He wants to be the person that you come to first every morning and the last person that you talk to every night. He wants you to talk to him about your struggles and your needs. He knows those. But that relationship that he craves and you crave with him, he craves just as much. These people... And I say these people, guys, I'm talking about myself too. I just want you guys to understand that I'm not trying to talk about anybody but me. But sometimes you think you know better, but you still refuse to surrender. It was a surrender for me to finally understand that God had a purpose for me up here. I always felt like there was somebody else, somebody better, somebody different. God's going to bring somebody in to do the youth pastor job. That's what I thought when I took it over. It's going to be temporary. In hindsight, if you ever want to help out with the youth, you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life. I just want you to know that. You're stuck there. That's Rusty and Teresa. They've been doing it for a long time. But seriously, it's, it's one of those things where I always thought there was somebody different. And I wasn't really to surrender and say, God, you know better than me. I was always to the, of the effect of God. I can, I can do this for a little while as long as you'll find somebody else. That was my mindset. And I was a some timer. But God's teaching me through these things that that's not what he desires. The, uh, I guess probably one of the most important things is the quote that I put on there um, from William Law, and this hit me like a ton of bricks this week because I really thought about this quote a lot. It says, if you haven't chosen the kingdom of God first, it will make no difference in the end what you have chosen instead. That's so true. It's harsh, but it's so true. It doesn't matter what you've chosen to put on that pedestal above God of the three or four or five or ten things that you can put up there. If God's not number one, when your life comes to an end, it will make no difference what you put up there instead. And here's the hard thing. We all know that, and we all struggle with that, but God's still seeking us. God's still fighting for us. And we want to give it up. We want to say, God, I I want you to do this, but sometimes I don't know if you're there. I don't know how you're guiding me. God, I don't know how to feel in this moment. Matt's got a scripture out of Luke he's going to put up there. And this, I think, ties everything together this morning. For the Son of Man has came. Jesus came. This was his whole purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. So as much as we want to seek God, as much as we want to to try to find out, hey God, what do you, what do you have for my life? God, what, what are your plans for me this week? It could go on down to for this day. As much as we want to seek those things and they, and they tend to turn us upside down or inside out, God has always been seeking us. From the very first moment before we were born, God knew and he had a plan for you in your life. Verse 34, I don't know if I actually finished this up with Matt. Verse 34 says, therefore, so it ends it and sums it all up. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. Now, you look at that one of two ways. Tomorrow's going to have worries. Today has worries. Each day has enough worries for itself. All you can really focus on is today, and that's true. There's absolutely a lot of truth in that. You can focus on the worries of today because there's plenty, But you can also choose to seek God today. There's still time to get everything right today. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. And God has you here saying, I want you to figure out how to keep me at the forefront in the first of your life. I want you to figure out how to put me at the number one pedestal on the podium. And that's where I want you to keep me. And even if you haven't done it, even if it's been a struggle, today you have a chance to change that. Teresa... Didn't know i wrote this down she said this in class this morning i had to write down i thought this was a great way to sum up uh everything that i've said it says in order to find security in god we have to stop trying to find security in everything else if you really want to focus on what god has for your life you have to leave everything else by the wayside because in the end none of it matters and that that seems like a hard thing to say like all these things i'm doing in my life they really don't matter no they really don't. If it's not for God, then none of it matters. That's one of the driving things that gets me up here when I, I'm asked to do something is, of all the mistakes that I've made in my life, getting up and saying something for the Lord will not be one of them. When it comes to the end of my life, having said yes for God will be one of the things I can stand up and say, I'm proud that I did that. Lord, thank you for leading me through that. As the musicians come on up, I want you guys just to, just to know that even if you hasn't, haven't gotten to be able to put God first in your life, even if you felt like things are going awry and your worries are overtaking you or your needs are troubling, just know that you still have an opportunity right now this morning to be able to come and give it back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm tired of holding on to this. I'm going to lay it down at your feet. If you guys will stand. We've come to our prayer time. And just let the Lord lead you in that.
1: Keep me, you hold me close and Like your mercies and In the morning and You surround me And all I know Is every hour of every day Oh, I need you, Lord And that will never change Way. Oh, I need You, Lord, and that will never change. No, that will never change. You're my fortress. You're my hiding place. You're the shelter where. You, Lord, and that will never change. In every moment, in every way. Oh, I need You, Lord, and that will never change. Faithful, that's who You are. In every way. Oh, I need you, Lord, and that will never change.